Blog Talk Radio. Tennessee, Terry T.B. Brown is joining us from Louisville, Kentucky, as he always does. T.B., time for another show, man. Welcome in. How's everything going with you? Fantastic. It's going fantastic. I am uh, excited. Had a pretty interesting weekend. I know we're going to cover that. Lots of stuff to cover. NBA draft, all kinds of things. Still moving and grooving. Uh, for this time of year. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you want to interact with the show, the phone number, as always, 845-277-9373, at Cats Talk Wednesday on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, hit, hit us with a tweet, Facebook comment. Uh, if you agree, disagree, agree to disagree, whatever you want to do, feel free to interact with us. Uh, I got the Facebook Live link going I put the link to the show right there uh, in the comments. So you just won't hear me. You will also hear Terry and I both, the, the full dialogue. Uh, got a comment already on Facebook from Blake, and he's already talking about Go Reds. So that's the last thing I needed to see as a Braves fan because the Reds have been some kryptonite for Atlanta. So, yeah, appreciate that, Blake. Might just have to tune him, and I'm just kidding. But uh, I'll get to my Braves at some point in the show as well. Still in first place, but they can do better when they play against the Reds. Um, But, yeah, TV, we will definitely get to some of your adventures. Um, For those who've been listening for a long time, TV has been putting in some miles, been doing some traveling. You flash back to March Madness. He was all over (laughs) this great, vast United States of America. So we can kind of catch up on that. You did some traveling as well this past weekend, and we can't wait to hear about it. Everybody follow Terry on Twitter, Brown underscore 80. You saw what he was into this weekend. Also wrote about it on CarolMillsRadio.com. We're definitely going to dive into all that. We'll talk some NBA. We're, you know, and there's always nuggets that we miss or don't get to from past shows. We might – Backtrack a little bit and hit some little stuff, and then we get a little random with it as well uh, outside of U.K. sports and NBA, NFL, MLB, and all of that. But we'll jump right to it. We don't have any guests this evening. Sometimes we do have guests, but none scheduled this evening, so feel free to call. And we'll also start the show, too. We got a message from uh, our, one of our favorite listeners, Michelle Morton. Uh, tunes in live or podcast, whether she's traveling or whatever she's doing, her mother's not doing well, so, Michelle, we definitely want you to know we're thinking about your mom. Uh, 
Absolutely. We know you're there being with her and, and just let you know that Vinny and TB are thinking about you and we got your message from earlier today. Um, 845-277-9373. TB, without further delay, go ahead and tell us all <laughs> what you got to do this weekend. Because I've been, I've been giddy. You've been teasing it with text and letting everybody know you're going <laughs> to reveal it all today. So here we go. Well, it was a, a pretty crazy situation. You know, there's been the big blue caravan where uh, Mitch Barnhart, different coaches, different players in the athletic department go all over uh, Kentucky, meeting and greeting the big blue nation, you know, uh, kind of spreading joy, joy, excuse me, joy all throughout the Commonwealth. Well, uh, the basketball team, the men's basketball team, is doing that as well. They put on a different different camps and everything uh, like that. Well, Friday afternoon, UK announced that they were actually going to have the basketball team, the men's team, ride a train from Frankfurt to Lexington with a stop in Midway. And, uh, but but they were going to have a clinic at Franklin County High School to kind of kick that off and. They opened it up to media folks, and everyone knows, friend of the show, Tina Cox is kind of the point person at Cameron Mills, and she put it out there. And, uh, you know, I was able to – didn't have the girls this weekend, so I was able to do it. Uh, Michelle Brown covered the, the actual clinic itself, but I was able to ride the train. Number one, I had never ridden the train. You know, I, that's just one of those things that you're like, who rides the train anymore? But uh, <laughs> so number one was, you know, I was uh, excited about riding the train and to ride with the team. So I arrived at Franklin County High School as the camp was winding down. Uh, Bradley uh, McKee, who we've had on the show, works at KSTV. He was there. Um, and then that uh, Eric uh, Lindsay was kind of the point man, media person there for men's basketball. And so we're kind of hanging out and everything. And he says, hey, let's go on over to the train depot. So we ended up riding over with Coach Barbie and Coach Kenny Payne over there, which was pretty cool. Wow. Uh, and I've, I've talked to Coach Payne a few times uh, because, you know, he was on the 1986 uh, championship team at UofL. And, and folks that are longtime listeners know that I grew up a Louisville fan and one of my earliest sports memories was watching that championship game. So we've had conversations about that, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so we get over to the train. The team is still finishing up and, and everything. And Eric's like, well, you know, let's go ahead and get, get on board the, the train here. And uh, he said, because everybody else is going to be coming. Cal had like an errand to run or something like that. So we get on the caboose, if you will. Well, there's Cal just chilling. He's got his shorts on, legs crossed, <laughs> sipping some iced tea, and you know he's like, "Who's letting these guys on here?" You're just, you know, uh, Cal, you know, giving giving us a little bit of trouble. So we end up. I know people have seen pictures. The caboose had like a a boardroom table. I know that uh, Coach Cal's account and the basketball account. That's where the team was meeting, and and Cal was giving instructions. And the media, we were in the next car up. Turns out there was just six of us, six media people that had signed up to ride the train, which I was like, what? I mean, okay. Uh, which was 
okay. I mean, it, well, the thing was, the train was going to take you from, uh, like I said, from Frankfurt to Midway to Lexington, but you had to get, you know, you had if you parked in Frankfurt, you had to find your own way back. So that dissuaded a lot of people. Uh, but luckily, Tina Cox was able to meet me uh, at Midway, uh, so I had that figured out. So we get on the train. We're hanging out. The team finally arrives, and Cal is in the back. They're still talking. So, you know, we're hanging, riding the rails as we make it to Midway. Uh, beautiful scenery going along the Kentucky River. Uh, some great shots of the Kentucky State Capitol. And it's really fantastic. Uh, when we first got on, uh, you know, Eric said, hey, there's just a few of you guys. Do you guys want to eat with us? I said, yeah, you know, we'll eat, you know, I had, you know, I had some snacks, you know, that I was going to try to try to get on. He said, oh, you know, everybody can eat with us. And I, you know, I said to Bradley, I said, you know, this is probably, you know, chicken tenders, a hamburger or something like that. Well, the you know worker comes out and says, you know, you know, how would you like your meat cooked? And I'm like, well, that's not a question they ask you for a hamburger. <laughs> uh, so we end up, and, and uh, I'll make sure these pictures get up on our account. I don't know if I did that or not. I should do that. Uh, long story short, we ended up having some. Uh, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. The good prime rib, prime rib with some broccoli and some uh, some corn, something, something, and a nice salad. It was nice. It was great. It was great. And so we're eating, we're looking out the window, some media people talking to the uh, police folks that are the officers that were tasked with kind of guarding the team and whatnot. And it's great. You know, the team's eating, we're eating, and they kind of kept us separate. And I knew that going in, that there wasn't going to be, like we couldn't pull people off to the side and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, as you know, when you're around the team, when when you're kind of close, you can pick up on a few things. So, uh, we're sitting there eating. Cal comes out again to mess with the media folks and says, you know, since they're feeding us, you know, we need to write some glowing things about him and the team this year. And he's just having a – I mean, <laughs> Swaggy Cal is an effect. That is probably my biggest takeaway. Because uh, as we talked about, you know, the last time Cal kind of put this team on display, put a team on display by riding the train, it was after the 2012 championship where they kind of barnstormed the, the Commonwealth showing everybody the trophy. And uh, if you look at last summer to this summer, you know, the first thing we heard about last year was this team is going to be the youngest team in the country and, and growing pains and everything like that. But Cal likes this group. This is a good group. Just, just being around them, they look like a basketball team I know people don't want to hear about platoons, and, and Cal definitely won't say it. And, 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 you know, I think, you know, platoon is a bad word. I get that. But these guys look like a basketball team. And they just carry themselves in a different way, uh, as opposed to maybe last year's team that was kind of unsure of themselves. Like, these guys know they are good. And uh, I think Reed Travis, uh, Tina Cox wrote an article about him kind of being that missing piece. I mean, he kind of made it known, just kind of talking, you know, you pick up on things, that, you know, he's not here to reach the Sweet 16, right? He's not here, you know, to have a good time. He's not, you know, and, and there, there's one reason he's here, 
you know, Ashton Hagens was was very excited. Uh, uh, these guys know that they're good, and I think we're not going to see the growing pains we've seen the last couple of years. This team is deep. This team is talented, and I know we'll see them, uh, you know, in the Bahamas. Uh, but this team, once they kind of get their roles set, and I think they pretty much have. This team is going to be good from the jump. And I know it sounds ridiculous to say, you know, this is the best team in, since 2015 with it only being, you know, three, four seasons. You know? I mean, I think that's a little ridiculous to, to classify it like that. But this team is going to be good. Like, this is going to be, you know, this is where all the stars have kind of aligned. And this is going to be the Kentucky team that we're going to beat some teams' brains in. There's not going to be a four-game losing streak. There's not going to be uh, down-to-the-wire finishes against mediocre teams. This team is talented. This team is motivated. This team is ready to go. And Cal, Cal knows it. The coaches know it. You just get that sense of this team is going to be special. That is, I mean, just – the whole thing, like you said, you know, who who rides the train anymore? Um, and the fact <laughs> that they kind of they they kind of just did put it together quickly. Uh, and I, I mean, the idea was neat to do the train. I kept seeing Cameron Mills on Twitter. Of course, our our guy we write for him, CameronMillsRadio.com. He kept just putting train stop question marks any kind of tweets that was going on about. Uh, this weekend, he, it's like he was wrapping his head around the fact that, you know, and so were other people, that they were going and around on a train. Uh, but the whole thing was just, and look, none of them rode a train. You know, most of them hadn't. And it was, like you said, it wasn't just uh, like something you would see at an amusement park, like Dollywood or something like that has an old train. That no, takes you it was a train. This was, this was the old school Elegant tables with, you know, dainty tablecloths, good food. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was like when when trains were a serious mode of travel from years gone by. Yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it was great. And really, it, it was a great way. This was the first big event for the completed roster. Uh, when the players got off uh, in midway, and Coach Justice, you know, called every everybody out. And again, I'll put that video up on on our pages. I, it's on the Facebook page. I don't know if I put it on Twitter. But this was the first time that the 2018-19 team was together. You know, with Ashton Hagen's reclassifying and Reed Travis joining the team. This this is the team we're gonna. This is who we're gonna roll with. You know, once uh, Big Blue Madness rolls around. So it was something special. And I think it was good for the players, and this is what I wrote about, to see what basketball means in Kentucky. You know, it's one thing, you know, you come on your visit and you, uh, you know, you come to Rupp Arena for a game or you come to Big Blue Madness for a game. But this was a Sunday in June on an event that had been announced less than 48 hours prior. And there must have been 500 people waiting in midway for the train. And it, it's just, 
I don't know of any other program that can just do that and have that kind of response. I mean, it was a party in Midway. There was a DJ. You know, people are getting things signed. It's just – and you could kind of see, you know, Hagen's and, and, and some of the other guys, uh, the new guys, this was this was something. Like, this was <laughs> – you know, it's one thing to hear Coach Cal say, you people are crazy, but it's another thing to see, yeah, these people are serious. And, uh, and, and it, but the, it had a feel of a family reunion. And I think that's the, the side, you know, everybody hears about the negative side to Kentucky fans and, and this, and I get that. But there's so much, you've got little kids, you know, that are in their little UK onesies and, You've got kids that you know the John Wall team is before is before them. You know they 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 you know they can't remember the John Wall team, but then you've got older people yeah. that stretch all the way back to to Rupp, and and they're, mm-hmm. everybody's just there and they're in line and it was it was special. I was glad I was able to do it. Uh, talk to a lot of people. Uh, for some of these folks, uh, I talked to a lady. You know, this is going to be the only time that they really get to see. You know, they don't have tickets to Rupp. You know, aren't you know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, you know, getting to Rupp is not cheap. Uh, but this was their opportunity to to see the team, and and that really means something. And I think that was the takeaway for uh, for these kids doing it for the team. Uh, you know, Coach Cal talks about you know giving back, and that's a, a big part of it. And I think this this trip, uh, number one, he's very happy for his team. Like he's excited. We've got Scraggy Cal back. He he knows he's got a good team. He knows this team has got a deep tournament run in them, and he's ready to go. So that was number one. But number two, to kind of show the team, you know, this is the Big Blue Nation. This is kind of this is your support system. And I know it sounds hokey. And I understand college basketball is a big business, but still, it, it was it was something good to see, good fan interaction with the players, with the coaches. Uh, it was just it was a really fun day. Glad I got to do it. Told the uh, staff of the train, I hope we do it again come April, because I would definitely love to be on the train showing off the 2019 championship. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, but get, you know, uh, Randy Newman of Big Blue Express, who we had on was it last week, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was there. He he and his wife were were on the train as well. So it was a really small group, but it was it, it was a blast. I had a blast uh, doing it. Uh, it was just a great great opportunity. That is something else, and I've never rode a being a train like that either. Uh, you know, you go to Lakington and you know you see R.J. Corman and you see. The logo, you see the train, you see it on the bridges you go under. But, you know, hadn't, you know, that's about the extent of it for me. And then to see them just break it all out and put on a show like that, is, it was something for everybody. I mean, impressive all the way around. And it, and it was nice. I mean, it was a, a it was nice. Uh, I mean, you can, like I said, you can imagine, you know, riding trains of, of yesteryear. Uh, kind of like you were saying, you know, when it was the, you know, that that was how you got cross country. 
so it was great. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the team enjoyed it, and it was a long day for them. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I don't want to overlook that part. I mean, it was, it was a long day. You know, from the camp to to the train to all that. Um, and this is one of those things you don't think about for. Uh, these Division One athletes, that there's a lot of community stuff that they do as well. Um, and that's one of those mm-hmm. things that was highlighted at the Catsby Awards uh, by Mitch Barnhart. That's one thing that they stress to all the athletes is, you know, you got to give back to the community. And, and I think that this was, this was a step in that direction. So uh, I'm with everybody else. I'm excited uh, about this upcoming season. I think we're going to see some great stuff in uh, the Bahamas. Uh, that's kind of the when we'll see the completed team actually on the floor. Um, but I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm I'm excited, and I think that most Kentucky fans, deservedly so, should be excited. Uh, I don't want to count championships before they happen, but I will say this team looks like a squad. This team. Uh, can make some noise, and I know they kick off the season with uh, with with Duke. Obviously, that's a that's a big one you want to check off. Uh, obviously, uh, but I think this team is going to be playing a lot of meaningful games in the March and April. I honestly believe it. And you know the, and we'll get into that. We'll take a quick break in a second and get into a little bit of that. Uh, and, you know, starting the show with you mentioning, you know, for those who weren't listening or hadn't started listening because, you know, we got the whole new listenership with 12-Ounce Sports Radio. People who have never heard the show before are now hearing the show. So, you know, they weren't around when you were traveling to Boise. But the next time you go to Boise, you're <laughs> telling me you want to go by train. Is that what I'm – Getting from this, that would be the way to do it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, you know, that I don't know. Uh, it was just a short stretch. Well, the the thing was we, we left Frankfurt uh, heading to Midway, but the food was a little delayed coming out of the, coming out of the kitchen. So basically for the bulk of the train trip, we were going about 20 miles an hour to give – to give the uh, the guys time to eat and to give uh, the media folks time to eat uh, as well. So, uh, but I imagine you know traveling by train to be a, a pretty nice pretty nice way to go. Um, but but heading out to Boise by train, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, I just I, I, something told me I was probably you know putting words in your mouth when I said that, which is why I said that. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get us a quick break. TB, you mentioned uh, Kentucky opening the season, which will be here soon, in early November against Duke. So we'll talk about that when we get back. Uh, NBA draft, which uh, which has some cats selected and heard their names called as well. We'll take us a quick break and, and jump into that on the other side and, and whatever other random things we get into. This is Cats Talk with uh, Vinnie Hardy, Cherry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Y'all stay with us because we will be right back. 
while Duke is playing a televised game. I'm, something just says that that probably won't be occurring. <laughs> well, the, the the thing about that situation is, and we can talk about Cal's recruiting prowess and national writers write about it often. The quote-unquote misses that Cal has, and you and I have touched on this before, turn out to be pretty good in retrospect. Uh, so that's one point. The second point is uh, this is a bad look for Coach K, period. Uh, you you don't want people leaving the program, trashing it on the way out. And you definitely don't want a player or a player's parents talking about how you didn't keep your promise, you know, how they felt deceived. And that's the verbiage that, that is being used when, when talking about Duke. Um, and look, Coach K, his record stands by itself. Uh, you know, his, his five national titles, uh, I get it. You know, he, his, his legacy is safe. But uh, at some point, people are going to start asking some questions. You know, during the draft, uh, you know, they, uh, I can't remember what national writer it was, talks about, you know, the number of first-round draft picks Cal has had versus, you know, the number of picks that Nick Saban has had, which comparing football and basketball, that's just dumb. I mean, that's, you, you, can't, you can't really compare that. But, uh, you know, these national writers love to kind of talk about, you know, uh, all these first-round lottery picks and, and the refrain is, what has Cal done with it? Well, you know, this was the third straight draft of a top, you know, 10 player for Duke as well. And Duke is also on a three-year drought of making the Final Four. Uh, If you're going to take Cal to task for not doing uh, as much as you think with his talent, Coach K needs to be in that conversation as well. Again, his status, Coach K's status as being a legend, it's, it's, it's there. But it's fair to say, is he getting everything out of his one-and-done talent? Like I've said before, you know, Jabari Parker didn't play in the second weekend of the NCAA. Kyrie Irving didn't play in the second weekend of the NCAA. So uh, while it's fair, I think, and you and I have talked about this before, it's fair to say, to feel, I think, you know, Cal probably should have one more championship. You know, one more championship, we're not hearing this crazy talk. Uh, and I think it's fair to say you probably should have one more. But if you're going to start saying that, well, yeah, now you have to start saying, well, what about Coach K? What about, uh, uh, what about Bill Self at Kansas, who's had lots of talent? You know, Joel Embiid, Andrew Wiggins, didn't play in the second weekend of the NCAA. So, uh I'm okay with Cal catching a little bit of flack, but you have to apply it evenly. But back to what you're saying with with Duke, they talk about a brotherhood, but I don't see it. You know, one of the knocks on the one-and-dones and and everything is how connected these players were going to be to the university. And – From what I see, and I went through in response to another national writer, the older guys, and I hate calling, you know, Towns and and Anthony Davis, the old guys, 
but they still have a connection to the current team and to the new guys coming into the league. There is a brotherhood. Uh, you remember a few years back at the NBA All-Star Game when uh, Carl Anthony Towns won the skills contest. Who were the first two people yeah. to wrap their arms around him? Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins. Yeah. I mean, and you and you can see that. Scott Charlton, who people need to follow, he routinely shows during the NBA season when you've got two teams of Kentucky players playing each other, which is a lot. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to catch a game without Kentucky players. There's a genuine embracing of each other. You know, uh, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think who was it. Oh, it was Booker, uh, Devin Booker and his sons going against uh, the Nuggets and uh, Jamal Murray. And they were going back and forth pretty good, if you remember that matchup. Right. But at the end of the game, uh-huh. they hug each other. They're, they're brothers. And so it's not lip service. You know, the players, they do come back. The players do reach out to the current team. You know, there was that tweet uh, Kevin Knox had before the draft talking about, you know, the history, the brief history under Cal of Kentucky basketball. And and Carl Anthony Towns said, hey, wait a minute, young fella, you are a part of that. Now, I don't follow Duke players, but I I haven't seen that come across the timeline. You know, and I'm not knocking those guys, but what I'm saying is I genuinely think what we're doing at Kentucky, and again, I know college basketball is a big business, but I believe it really is a family. I believe it really is people coming together. Uh, Because you and I are old enough to remember when North Carolina kind of had that mystique in the NBA, you know, Michael Jordan and Kenny Smith and James Worthy. All we heard about was the Carolina way. And they all kind of, with Larry Brown and with, uh, um, oh, I can't, the Sonics coach, George Carl. And all you heard about was Carolina, mm-hmm. Carolina guys. We are starting to see that. And as we said during the NBA season, the NBA All-Star game is going to have seven to eight Kentucky guys playing in it. That's what we're looking at right now. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's great to see. And, again, I know big business, but I like the way Cal, he's bringing in good kids, and it shows. It really does show. Absolutely. Um, and from a draft standpoint, this was a down year for Cal, quote, unquote, compared to, you know, the run that we have seen. But you still had, you know, Shea come out of nowhere and become a lottery pick uh, alongside Kevin Knox. Uh, Coach K was not at the draft, even though Bagley went, what, second overall? Um, yeah. And this this story isn't the first one where you've heard stuff like that. You know, you had uh, Simi's mother talking about how he was yelling at her and she was terrified and in tears and, uh, other comments about how they can showcase their skills. Now they won't be forced into playing zone uh, when they leave there. Uh, so this this is a little stuff that keeps uh, continuing to come out. Now they still are going to be you know loaded for uh, this coming season. And like you said, his resume is legendary and Hall of Fame worthy, as we already know. And you know his multiple titles speak for themselves. But uh, yeah, and you know they got the Zion kid that of course Kentucky was trying to get, and 
so yeah, they're still gonna be stacked, and November sixth is gonna be a lot of fun. But it's just keep hearing these little bitty nuggets, and like you said, when Cal misses it, you know, long term, when you step back from it, you know, when, especially those who follow recruiting more than us are initially maybe upset or overly worried about Kentucky slipping, it turns out more often than not that it works out for the better that whatever didn't happen didn't happen. Well, in, in, the, in what Cal does, and this isn't just me whistling Dixie, this is what you know players will tell you, is he doesn't promise anything. Yeah. But an opportunity. I mean, Anthony Davis talks about it. DeMarcus Cousins talked about it. John Wall. All of these guys say Cal promises you an opportunity. He doesn't promise you 20 shots. He doesn't promise you 30 minutes. He promises you an opportunity. And for my money, that's the way to go. Because, number one, you don't box yourself in and end up with a situation where you promise a guy 20 shots a night, then, hello, you sign, you know, another top five kid at his position, well, clearly he's not going to get his 20-25 shots. So you don't box yourself in. But number two, you make the you put it on the player. You make the player responsible. You want to play 20 minutes a night. You want to do this. Show me. And that brings me back to Shea Gildas-Alexander for the people that say, you know, it doesn't – Anthony Davis is going to be the number one pick no matter what school he picked, you know. Carl Anthony Towns, John Wall. Shea is one of those guys, and I would put Josh Harrelson on the list. I would put DeAndre Liggins on the list. Of Remember, Shea was the, a throw-in to the recruiting class last year. There was zero buzz about this kid. He was supposed to be three, four-year player, you know, listening to the expert recruiting people. But through hard work and listening to Cal – what happened? He played himself into the lottery. So hopefully this notion of Cal doesn't develop players can go away. He absolutely did. Exactly. He put the onus on Shea. Shea answered the bell, and it paid off. I'd even put Eric Bledsoe on that list. Bledsoe wasn't supposed to be one and done. Right. You know, but exactly. when he puts that work in, he showcases his talent, and boom. And then he puts himself in a got-to-go situation. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Shea is in a good situation in L.A., especially with them uh, just trading away Austin Rivers. Uh, I think that's going to open up right. some minutes for him. Uh, I think that's, it's, it's a great situation uh, because the mm-hmm. Clippers are kind of in that rebuilding mode. So uh, he's going he's gonna to get some runs. Uh, and I think we'll see him kind of finish like he was finishing uh, here. Uh, Kevin Knox is in a good situation. Uh, keep in mind, I mean, he's still, you know, they talked about the draft. He's still just 18. You know, he was right. a young freshman last year. And uh, when when Kentucky got on the, the, the strength kind of in the season, they are playing really well. Shea had stepped up, and show, so had Kevin Knox. He had figured out how to get open. How do I get open? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where do I need to put the ball on the floor? He had kind of learned that. And, you know, if he's able just to, to showcase that West Virginia game, you know, for folks, 
he's still got huge potential yeah. there in, in New York. And uh, right. so I think both of those guys ended up in real good situations. And you know, Kevin's not going to turn – I don't think he turns 19 until – like summer league's over before he even turns 19. So we're talking late yeah. summer moving on into the fall. Uh, and you mentioned that he started running off the screens. You saw him run the baseline a la Riff Hamilton and Reggie Miller. Uh, you saw him curling and, and shooting mid-range jumpers. Um and still with the ability to get to the bucket and, and finish tough. You know, they replayed the West Virginia game the other day. Uh, I think it was on the SEC Network. And some tough finishes, you know, we don't let the thin frame fool you. He's stronger than he looks and will only get stronger with age. Some things you just can't accelerate with just natural growth of becoming an adult, which will happen for him uh, as well. So, you know, I don't. I, I hope the Knicks can eventually be successful in spite of James Dolan, and that's that's the hard hope because we've seen how they've been doing for years. At this time last year, I was hoping that Malik Monk would not go there. I'm like, man, I hope he doesn't go to the Knicks. I was more <laughs> concerned for him possibly, possibly going to the Knicks than I was for Darren Fox going to the Kings. And we know what the Kings have been outside of Peja and C. Webb and Jason Williams and, and all those guys. But I was more worried for Monk possibly going to New York. Uh, but hopefully Knox uh, will still be able to sort through whatever is out of his pay grade from an ownership standpoint and administration standpoint with the Knicks. Fisdale uh, is a good coach. Should still be the coach of Memphis. You and I both know this. Hopefully he can turn things around up there in spite of ownership uh, as well and, and give Knox a good start to his career in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, it, you just have to – you hope <laughs> that, that Dolan's able to let the basketball <laughs> people make those basketball decisions. But uh, the track record's not very good. But, but New York is, is slowly building a core. And, and doing it with the draft is always a much better route than trying to do it by signing old, <laughs> broken down free agents. You know, uh, that that was the that's the Daniel Snyder old mantra. You know, for a while there, oh, man. Uh, the Redskins had every past their prime. You know, Bruce Smith and Dion was there, and it's just you know, yeah. like what. You know, five years ago. Jeremiah Trotter. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully somebody is in Dolan's ear and say, like, look, let's build up for Zingas. Uh, we don't have the ball stopper uh, of Carmelo. And, and, look, since we're on the NBA, Carmelo opted in to his $28 million year in uh, Oklahoma City. There was no way he's walking away from that. I don't know why people are acting surprised that Carmelo would have entertained not getting $28 million guaranteed. No one does that. I mean, that's guaranteed money. But Carmelo, I think, is going to be judged a bit unfairly because he did, he did sign for the money. You know, he had an opportunity to kind of build something in Chicago – was it like three or four years ago before Derrick Rose kind of start, you know, broke down? Uh, he wanted the money. Now, I got no problem with that. But when you're in the draft class with Dwayne Wade and LeBron, 
the, the prism looks a little bit differently on how you're judged. Um, I always appreciated Carmelo uh, as a basketball player because the game kind of passed his skill set by. And what I mean by that is he, he, he's a ball-dominant guy. He's a ball-stopper. Well, you remember in the late 80s, early 90s, that was pretty much how things went. ISO, ISO, ISO. And now we see what your Rockets are doing. We see what the Warriors are doing. And, and to some extent, you know, in Miami with Wade and, uh, and LeBron, that ball's always moving. But that was never Carmelo's thing. And I think that he's getting judged a little unfairly because of that. But I, he's a Hall of Famer, a tremendous player. Uh, but yeah, he's gonna get that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listened to uh, I think it was Charles Barkley was on the podcast with Jim Rohn because we had to get to Charles Barkley before the show's over too, and, and he was saying the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, Carmelo getting almost thirty million dollars. Who, you know, be a, who's who's just gonna leave that on the table? So, of course, he opted in with OKC, and we'll see what all happens with, you know, Paul George and, and, and Kawhi and LeBron and your Lakers and, and Magic Johnson, you know, putting all his chips into the table with his quotes. We, you know, we get to all uh, of that. But, you know, we also had uh, Jerry Vanderbilt did get drafted. Um, it was a roller coaster ride for him at Kentucky, injured. Uh, Boost of energy, rebound the machine for the games he got to play, and then then you know started with injury again during the tournament. Uh, we just got 14 games worth of a glimpse of him at Kentucky, uh, but you know you were thinking like, man, is he is he going to get drafted? Hope what what's going to happen for him? So it was good to see him go in the second round to Orlando, and Hamid Diallo picked 45 to the Brooklyn Nets, so right there with his hometown. So you're able to see those guys uh, get their names called as well. So uh, congratulations to all four of those guys, Knox, SGA, Vando, and Hami, uh, when it came to the draft. And hopefully Wendy yeah, has and, a good career and, and gets on with a team where he can kind of find his niche uh, shooting and shot blocking and being an energy guy that we saw him do. Uh, during his time at UK. Yeah. Uh, so, and I'm, I'm definitely glad uh, Vando, Jared Vanderbilt, I, I think you have to put his career on one of the oddest, you know, if you had a list of players in Kentucky that just had odd careers, I think you put him up there with like, uh, if you remember Jason Parker that had that great freshman year. And yeah. Kinda, Mm-hmm. Just disappeared into the ether a little bit. Uh, Raquelin Sims, kind of like you know, okay, uh, Darnell Bodson, you know, just just players that you're like, yeah, they were Wildcats, but man, that was weird. You know, I, I think uh, you'd have to put him on there. And I'm not saying he had any off the court stuff. Just as you said, with the injuries and and everything, you just have to kind of say that was just weird. Uh, you know, with his first start coming on the road in a must-win game, and he really played really, really well. Uh, so, I, obviously, 
you know, second round, being drafted at all is is still an honor because there's always way more people that don't get drafted than do get drafted. So obviously, you know, I I think uh, some NBA people think he's got, uh, he's got potential. So definitely wish him the best. And uh, I know that Winyan is signed to play summer league with the Kings. Uh, so that's a that's a good step for him, uh, and definitely wish him all the best. You know, once a cat, always a cat. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we are rolling. First hour is almost done. Let's catch our breath real quick again. If you want to call, feel free. The number is eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. This is Cat Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy, Terry Brown, and we shall be right on back, y'all. Terry Brown, <clears throat> Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook, 
and Twitter. Feel free to interact with the show, comments. Either way, feel free to do so, and we will entertain all of them. And talking a lot of basketball, TV got to be on the train with the Cats. Talk NBA draft. Um, Doing work in some NBA free agency as well. Uh, NBA awards, got to talk about that. But our our friends at Classic Kentucky Clips, which have just continually put out content, you know, UK-related, across all the different sports, old clips, newer clips, really old clips, um, had the side-by-side picture of Cameron Mills and his dad both dribbling to their left, uh, ran the number 21, you know, the like father, like son, uh, so clips of where Kentucky was the end of the Kansas game where they secured their eighth championship. Um, you name it, they're putting it out there. I saw where you sent in the tweet about, uh, I think it was the SUV that was, you know, all Kentucky down from head to toe. Uh, and that's, you put <laughs> yeah. that out there for them. Um, so they're just, they're just killing it right now. It's uh Classic KY Clips, I think is what it is. I'll get the exact Twitter account in a minute. But they put out a question, and I just thought it was really interesting, just fun to talk about, got a lot of responses. Um, And when you think of the Joe Hall era, of course it ended, you know, he was the coach from 72 to 85 following Adolph Rupp. He's kind of done as a coach really before, you know, I'm – all in as a fan, I'm like I'm like seven when he coached his last game. I have fuzzy memories of the '84 Final Four in Seattle, which of course is a heartbreaking loss to Georgetown. I remember bits and pieces of that game. Um, of course, when he retired as Kentucky's coach, you were still a Louisville fan, so his era <laughs> technically is before our time. You know, he's 1985. Both of us are seven years old when he coached his last game. But the question that they put out, uh, classic KY Clips, which player from the Joe Hall era, if you could, of course, hypothetically add a player from Joe Hall's era to this year's roster, who would it be and why? And I think their answer was was, uh, Cal Macy, just for the end of the game, you know you would have an experienced point guard. This team is going to be loaded at guard, but they wanted Macy, you know, game on the line. Who better to step to the line and hit a, a pair of free throws than, than Kyle Macy? And mine, I went with, uh, and it's KY underscore Clips, classic Kentucky, KY underscore Clips is their Twitter account. I went with Rick Roby. Now, of course, like I said, all these guys, you know, I got vague memories of Kenny Walker and, and, and Bowie and Turpin. Rick Roby, I don't remember him, heard about him, you know, and Givens and all those guys on the 17. I would pick Rick Roby if you could hypothetically add one Joe Hall player to this team just because it gives you another legit big man. Right now, Nick Richards is it as far as you know, seven foot. A seven-footer is concerned. Reed Travis, 
he checked off a lot of boxes, rebounding toughness, physical. He can bang in the paint. He doesn't care to mix it up. He checks off a lot of boxes, especially with um, with Vanderbilt leaving and Winion leaving. You get P.J. back, but you also have Reed Travis, who I said last week was just kind of a more mature P.J., what P.J. could possibly be by the time he's 21, 22 years old. So this is not a knock on Reed Travis, but I would just pick Rick Roby because you have another guy who does all those same things, rebounding, toughness, experience, depth, but he's legit 6'11". So that would be my pick. If you could bring one Joe Hall player to this team, it would be Rick Roby. So did you have one? Or, you know, like I said, it's before our time, but it's still fun to kind of mess around and, and you know, talk about this kind of stuff. I mean, I had, to, I had to abstain from that one simply uh, <laughs> before my time, but, I mean, really before I was even paying attention to anything Kentucky. <laughs> I, I know the names, yeah. obviously. I, I know the names of players, and I don't want people to say, well, you know, that Terry doesn't. No, no, I know, and I get it, and I understand, yeah. uh, you know, what Joe B meant to the pro. I, I get that, but not having watched them in and out, uh, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable to, to, to say that now, but th- that the str- that's the strange thing is this team right now I feel is pretty complete. Uh, I know you're adding somebody else, but I, for right now I like this team. Now, if you had said, you know, add them to you know the 2013 team or maybe you know the 20. Uh, <laughs> Was a 2016 with Eulis uh, and Murray. Yeah, you get you give me a, a big man. You put Rick Roby on that team. That team is at the Final Four. Uh, so I mean, I, don't, yeah. I love those type of hypotheticals, but I don't know if yeah. I would hypothetically do anything to this team right now. Uh, I, I think, like you said, uh, Reed Travis checks off a lot of boxes. PJ coming back checks yeah. off a lot of boxes. Uh, Ashton Hagen reclassifying checks off a lot of boxes. This team is going to be fun. I mean, like I said uh, at the top of the show, this team is, uh, this team is going to kick some butt. I honestly believe that. They're, they're deep, they're talented, and, and I think they are really, really focused on the task at hand. Uh, but, you know, I, I can understand, uh, you know, Macy's free throws and Roby bringing another another physical big body. I I get that, but but with this particular yeah. team, uh, and again, I haven't seen anybody dribble. I haven't seen anybody you know take a shot. Uh, but but if, if Baker is good and Hero is, is is if they're deadly from the outside, I really like what this team is going to be able to do offensively. Uh, the key is uh, how good this team can be defensively. That's what we're going to have to see. And, and Cal does a really good job of getting young kids to play good defense, something that you don't hear a lot about Coach K. But I'm not going to go back on to that. We talked about that enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. There was a couple of things more I could have said, too, but I, I didn't. We, I think we pulled off of that kind of in, in the nick of time. <laughs> but that's kind of the reason why <laughs> – that's kind of the reason I – look, technically – I probably should have abstained from that hypothetical also because, you know, too young to see them. But, um, you know, I was talking to my dad about those guys earlier in the week, and, you know, Rick Roby 
Mike Phillips, the original, you know, Twin Towers that preceded Sam Bowie and Melvin Turpin. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of getting the rundown and the scout report from him, and, and you know, Phillips kind of had a better outside shot. They both could do a lot of things. They both could, you know, mix it up. They both, but, he, you know, Phillips, if you got to pick one that was maybe a little more finesse, in his opinion, it was, was Mike Phillips. And the whole hypothetical is kind of nitpicking anyway because if this team reaches its potential, it is a complete team. And that's the only reason I picked Rick Roby is because you've only got one seven-footer. That's, I mean, I'm grasping the straws. Am I nitpicking? Yes. Are they already too deep in every position? Yes. But hypothetically, if the rich could get richer, well, let's just get another 6'11", dude. We got we got TJ and Reed Travis, two 6'8 bangers. <laughs> we got shooters all over the place with Hero and Jamal Baker and, and guards all over the place. And Keldon Johnson, you know, uh, is going to be kind of that elite wing guy that you haven't really had since MKG. So that was my only reason. And like I said, it was kind of grasping the straws, but it, it was fun. But let's let's just pluck one more 6'11", dude, that's also big and physical, which I expect Richards to be that in the sophomore season. He's got a year in his belt. I expect him to check off some boxes more than he did last year just because he knows the drill now. But if you could throw in a Roby, that would have been my pick. So I just thought it was, it was fun. You know, it, it can't happen, but, you know, we, we kicked it around anyway. Um, no, absolutely. Kentucky absolutely. is pretty rich. Yeah. And like I said, this is a top to bottom. This team is, I say it a lot, there's a lot of roster flexibility. And, uh, and mm-hmm. Cal and Coach Payne and, and everybody, they can huddle up together. And, and how are we going to play? Are we going to go four, four guards and a big? Are we going to go with, you know, twin towers, two bigs? I mean, there is a lot of flexibility to this team. But I think the best part of being this deep, the practices are going to be brutal. You know, you talk to the guys of the 2015 team, you know, you talk to the 96 guys to talk about how the practices were. That's, that's where you get better, is if you're going against another McDonald's All-American in practice, you know, you're, you're pushing each other, right? You, you, can't, you can't slack off. Uh, are you going to get your butt kicked in practice? Uh, so I think that's what's going to change for this year's team, and and Cal's going to be able to use that bench, like he hasn't been able to to do uh, last couple of seasons. You know, if if, if somebody makes a bonehead play, or, or doesn't do what Cal wants to do, hey, you know, join me on the bench, come come take a seat. Uh, and so right. I think we're going to see a little bit more of that, uh, which you know everybody that's says right. that that bench is the coach's best friend. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had we've had guys from the the '90s on, you know, Cameron and and, and Anthony Epps, and uh, you know, they talk about, hey, you 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 mess up on a deep team, you may not come back into the game. I mean, yeah. because the guy you mm-hmm. the guy that comes in for you is as good or better. So we're going to see a lot of that. I don't th- I don't think we're going to see a lot of bad attitudes. I don't think we're going to see a lot of bad body language. Because you slump your shoulder, why don't you come sit down? Because I got a guy yeah. that can do what you can do, and he can go on in. So I know we kind of talk about basketball an awful lot, but but I'm excited about this team. 
You know, I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to win it all or go 40 and 0. This team is going to be fun to watch, though. This is going to be one of those teams where you say, "Okay, I, I like our chances." Absolutely. Going back to the to the NBA, uh, a couple of weeks ago, talked about the NBA awards coming up, and you talked you might watch it. I was a little more excited about it than you were. There's never really a great time to do it. You know, it seems like the season's been over for a long time, and now you're kind of coming out with all these awards uh, instead of, you know, the MVP getting the award before the game if he was still in the playoffs in the second round of conference finals. Now that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but I was still excited to, to see it come on. Anthony Anderson did a good job hosting. This was the second annual show. Drake did it last year, Anthony Anderson this year. And, of course, you know, he had to make fun of Kenny Smith's knees. Uh, that was one of his big jokes that I thought was the funniest. But the <laughs> what stole the night um, was was Bill Russell. <laughs> and he's getting recognized. He won the first annual Lifetime Achievement Award last year. And so this time around, Oscar Robertson was going to be the recipient of that. And and Charles Barkley was up there just kind of thanking a lot of guys that had come before him, that paved the way for him. <laughs> and um, all the legends were just sitting over there at one table. Yeah, Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, all just sitting together at a table, you know, basketball royalty as it gets. And when Charles acknowledged Bill Russell, <laughs> Bill Russell just quickly told Charles that he was number one uh, for the world to see on live television, which was hilarious. Barkley says one of the funniest things that ever has <laughs> been done to him and talked about what a mentor Bill Russell was to him. He's like a father to him. But that stole the night. You know, you, you knew pretty much Harden was going to win MVP. There were some awards that were kind of up for grabs, like, you know, six man of the year and, and a couple other categories. But it didn't matter. Bill Russell stole the night. Monday night, just like he did the year before when he uh, sized up Shaq, Matumbo, Alonzo Mourning, David Robinson, and Kareem, and, you know, let him know that he would whoop all of their behinds right there on the stage. You know, he, he he's 84. He can say what he wants. It's hilarious. And just when you think he couldn't outdo himself from last year, he goes and one-ups himself again with his salute to Charles Barkley. Well, and, and, and here's the thing I, I like about Bill Russell. Number one, he's been outspoken for years. This isn't just Yo. old Bill Russell. He has put his money on his mouth is since the 1960s on social issues and things. Uh, so this isn't just crotchety Bill Russell doing old man stuff. That's number one. But number two, and this is the feeling I get from some of the all-time greats, uh, this debate between LeBron and Mike, Michael Jordan, you know, who, who's your GOAT? There are uh, some other guys with resumes that should be in the conversation Starting with Bill Russell, you know, yeah. uh, 
if uh, MJ guys, what are they? What's the first thing they go to? Six no, six no. And <laughs> if you're Bill Russell and you have to say to yourself, wait a minute, eleven and thirteen, I got more rings than fingers. Although I think they did do watches because they got tired of rings at one point, which I think is pretty cool. But you you got to say, well, wait a minute, what did I? You know, and Bill Russell. His back-to-back championships at San Francisco uh, in the NCAA and, and what he did for the Celtics. And then as a player coach, I think his resume needs to be in the conversation. You know, So I think we're seeing some of these older guys that do have resumes that should be considered kind of fighting back a little bit. And I like it. I think you have to talk Bill Russell. If you value winning, I think you have to talk Kareem. You know, when you talk about who's the greatest ever, Kareem's high school to, to professional resume is unmatched, even by Michael Jordan. So uh, I love it. That's the one good thing about this award show is you, you get to see a little personality, especially from the older players, players that we didn't get to watch, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the fact that they're kind of saying, hey, I'm here. Like you wrote about last year with Bill Russell and those big guys, you know, kind of those, just because you didn't see me play doesn't mean I couldn't play. You know, reminding Shaq and David Robinson, you know, guys that we grew up on, you know, hey, I was pretty good at basketball too, young fella, which is odd that, you know, David David Robinson is a young fella to somebody. That makes me feel really old. Uh, But, uh, uh, I I like it. That's the one good thing about the award show. I do miss I always thought it was special when the MVP particularly was able to hold it up in front of the hometown crowd. I always thought that was a a great Mm -hmm. moment. I remember uh, Mm. Charles Barkley in 93, especially he had worked so hard to get to to, to Phoenix. And that was a great, great son team. You know, unfortunately you run into Michael Jordan at the peak of his powers and, you know, but that 93 Suns team has to be near the top. Uh, of your list of, of great teams to not win a championship. Uh, you know, I remember David Robinson, you know, kind of getting the award in front of the hometown uh, crew. I, I think that's always special. And I think that's missing. And I think that's really kind of what made the NBA unique is that when you gave these awards during the playoffs, you know, people were able to celebrate with their hometown team you know, the NFL, I don't even know when they give out the MVP award, to be honest with you. And, and baseball, it's almost Thanksgiving before, you know, your side runs. <laughs> and, and you know, the, I mean, you know, the season's been long over. And I always thought what made the NBA unique was, you know, here, you know, Houston, here's, here is James Harden. Here is, you know, his reward for a great season. Uh, I think that uh, we, you just missed out on that a, a little bit. But, uh, you know, I understand, you know, TV, money, and all that kind of stuff, but I just kind of miss the old days, and, you know, that's my get-off-my-lawn moment for the day. <laughs> and first of all, first point, like you said, you know, David Robinson is a young fella, but you know, all the guys that we grew up watching are 50 now, or have already turned 50 and beyond now, you know, <laughs> Jordan and Barkley and you know, and Shaq is forty six. 
<laughs> so, I mean, he, he's pushing 50 now. Uh, in 92, yep. we saw him draft his first overall. We saw him playing in Rupp against you know, Richie Farmer and, and all those teams. And now he's about to be 46 years old. He's kind of, you know, Sports Center did, you know, whole spills when when Magic and Bird and all those guys turned 50, and the same thing with Jordan. And now, you know, Magic never pushing 60, so it's <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and then, as far as MVP and, and Harden, look, I get it. <clears throat> LeBron could definitely win it every single year. You saw tweets about comparing LeBron's season this year to Harden, and LeBron played all 82, and Harden missed 10 games, and, you know, points and rebounds and all the stats. I get it. LeBron is in the mix. He's in contention and has a legitimate (laughs) argument to win it every single year, as have a lot of other great players. You know, we have the same thing for Jordan. You know, those times Shaq didn't win when Nash did, same thing. This isn't new, uh, but it's if Russell Westbrook doesn't go Oscar last year, I think Harden does win it last year. But you got to, from that historical standpoint, you can't not give it to Russ. So, you know, you know, let the beard have his this year. And, you know, maybe he'll win some more down the road. But I understand how LeBron could have won it. You know, and, of course, you take him off that Cleveland team, you got nothing. So his value speaks for itself. But, look, just just let the beard have his, his, his moment. Uh, his suit choice was a little weird, uh, and he, he didn't just, you know, he didn't he didn't tug at the heartstrings with his speech like KD did. Uh, that's that California cool in him sometimes that I, I, you know, he's just so chill. But you know, he won the MVP, and and I was glad that he got it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was deserved, and and I think we said this before. I know I have. LeBron is is not year in year out. He's not competing against James Harden, even against Kevin Durant. LeBron is chasing goats. LeBron is trying to move up that all time great ladder and add to his resume of of all time greats. So that in twenty years, when his son is playing, when Bronny is playing, you know. <laughs> You know, he at the awards, he'll he'll be able to do like Bill Russell and kind of you know call some folks out. That's what LeBron is 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 doing uh, right now. So, uh, you know, I, I got no problem with Harden getting it. I, I think you know it was it was deserved, and um, LeBron is just he's just judged differently. I don't know how else to to, to say that, but he's just he's on a different level. And, and sometimes you grade against the curve a little bit. Uh, I think it works against you because we we expect Bron to, LeBron to be superhuman. You know that's the expectation, and uh, and more often than not, he delivers. So I, I think uh, you know give it give it to give it to Harden. I'm with you. He probably should have won it last year, but but Russ went super Russ, and uh, <laughs> he kind of had to give him that nod and. Um, but still, I would love to see everything go back to uh, let's have the awards with with the hometown crowd. That would be my one recommendation. Right, right, absolutely. 
Um, man, we just rolling and having tons of fun. Um, can, so let's keep can it I tell going, a quick story? With, with your, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't know if your boys are into these books, the Who Is, Who Was uh, series of books. They're basically their biographies. They are, uh, you know, historical figures and moments and that kind of thing. So I, the, my girls love them. So I bought Little Miss, you know, what is the Super Bowl? You know, give you the rundown of the Super Bowl. And she's, she's reading it the other night, and she says, oh, Daddy, you know, you're 49er. I said, yeah. She said, you're a 49ers fan. I said, absolutely. So she's reading. She said, oh, Daddy. I said, what? She said, they're talking about Jerry Rice. I said, yeah. She said, that's your, that's your man, right? I said, that's my man. And she's reading. She said, oh, look, he was most by va- and, I, and I cut her off, and I was like, yeah, he was most valuable player, Super Bowl 23. He had a Super Bowl record, uh, 11 catches, 215 yards, and a touchdown. The Niners defeated the uh, Bengals 20-16. And she <laughs> looks at me like, because she's reading it, and she shows me on the page everything I just gave her. And she looks at me. She said, how do you know that? I just, I just know it. She said, you can remember that from 1989. She said, but you can't remember the people in my class' names. You can't remember all the kids' names in my class. And, <laughs> and I just thought that was, that was pretty funny because uh, she just looked at me like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I, I had to share that. <laughs> I had, I had to share that that one. I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I just I just hate she was reading about Jay Rice, but oh well, oh well. Strangely it, enough, it is it is. in this book about the Super Bowl, there's a picture of Tony Romo in it. I can't figure out for the life of me why. Whoa, whoa, mm. that's that's a mystery to me too. There now. <laughs> I mean, it's got. Don't get me wrong. It's got all kinds of pictures of. It's got your Troy Aikman. It's got your, uh, of course, uh, Tom Brady going all the way back. But I, I don't understand why Tony Romo's in it. Because unless I checked, Tony Romo wasn't in the <laughs> Super Bowl. No, never, so. never uh, wasn't even in the NFC title game. We're going to keep it all the way real. But uh, oh well. <laughs> So it, it, Never it, made it's the a NFL's good final four. I, I, I thought that was a pretty fun, pretty fun story uh, this year. But she doesn't understand how I can't. And now, in my defense, like I told her, none of the kids in your class caught a Super Bowl touchdown. So I don't know why I need to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One of your, your friends catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl, then I will know their name. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Oh, speaking of one of your other favorite players, because, you know, Magic Johnson, we already talked about your Lakers and last week how you were optimistic about what they're going to do when free agency hits the NBA this weekend. He talked about how if he doesn't get the job done in a couple years, he's going to step down. Uh, I'm going to get your thoughts on that. But I also want to get your thoughts because – I saw you act like you didn't see my tweet about that poem y'all supposedly wrote for Paul George. Your thoughts on the two dreams and how 
y'all been waiting on him since he was a kid in Palmdale and all this. That's that's y'all's pitch to PG. I, I just got to get your thoughts on that because I think you need to start writing for them if that's what they're trying to do. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, I got a lot of thoughts. Obviously, uh, the the poem I, I saw you I saw you at me, uh, trying yeah. to goad me into something, but I, you know, and let me just say I didn't like how uh, the Lakers fans kind of got ridiculous for Dwight Howard to get Dwight Howard to stay. Um, uh-huh. And I, I I thought that was a bad a bad look. Because I'm like, who, who, we're the Lakers. What are we doing? Like, I, I understand it's not like it was in the 70s and the 80s or even the 90s, but, but we're the Lakers. What are we really doing writing these love poems to free agents? Is that what we are now? Is that who we are now? Uh, which I guess we are. Uh, but Magic coming out saying, you know, getting it done this off season or next, he's got to know something. He's, I know mm-hmm. he's you know, been walking the line of, of, of tampering, but he's got to have a good feeling about something <laughs> to put that out there, uh, or else why would you do that? Uh, and, again, uh, I know you know I saw a friend of the show, Jim Eichenhofer, that covers the Pelicans and come, has come on a couple times to fill us in on Boogie and, and AD and, and Rondo. Uh, you know, he tweeted out, you know, this is the fifth year in a row Lakers fans believe they're going to get a, a free agent. Look, I, I get it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The last five years have been brutal to be a Lakers fan. I get it. But outside of these last five years, show me another stretch where the Lakers have been this bad in NBA history. You can't. I just finished a book on the history of the Lakers, and from playing in Minneapolis, with George Mikan, and, you know, they had to uh, ride uh, in the back of a pickup truck back and forth to the games. The Lakers have been dominant since then. I still have faith that we're going to get back on track, we're going to land somebody, and, and, and right the ship. I just, I just feel that way with, with Magic and, and Jeannie Buss involved. I just feel that right with Magic, Either this year or next year, I think we're going to see uh, the Lakers return, I think, to, to prominence. Uh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's never going to go back there. You know, it's been, uh, you know, 2010 was the last, you know, finals trip, last championship. That's kind of a, a distant memory these days. I get it. But, again, no franchise has had as many great players across generations as the Lakers. And I feel we're going to get back to that and get back on track. Walking the line on tampering. That's that what you refer to it as? Because, you know, Magic, Magic done stomped all the chalk off the grass, and, and we down below the dirt. You know, and that's entirely possible. I can see where you would say no, that. I'm uh, just messing. I can see where you would say that as an opposing fan, but uh, <laughs> I, I think. That the, <laughs> but I don't honestly. I think I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I think that they're going to. Uh, 
I think they're going to right the ship and, and turn it around. Uh, that could be just me whistling Dixie, but that's definitely uh, that's definitely what I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know if we'll get the the big three this year. You know, we, I think we talked last week about you know Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron. I, I don't know if it, we get that <laughs> this summer, uh, but I think we start laying down the foundation to to bring in some 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 big time guys. The, the Lakers have done it, and I think they'll continue to do it. Yeah. They they definitely could. Now, you know, I'm hoping they whiff on every single fridge that they're targeting. But, like you said, they could. This could be the summer, you know, that Magic turns it all around. And then whatever he does, kind of to parlay it into next year, if it's the two-summer plan, like he's talking about, not feel any pressure to walk away because he feels like he's going to put something together. So this this might be the, the start of something big or the start of, you know, the Lakers getting back to the Lakers that everybody has come to know and love or dislike. So it, it could definitely happen over the next few days. <clears throat> well, you know, and if the Lakers don't get back, I, I hope the Rockets, uh, I hope they win the next 14 NBA championships so they can equal <laughs> the 16 championships that the Lakers have won. That was uh, that was good. That was good. even. I hope they win the <laughs> next six, you know, so they could you know win the ones you know they could even out the ones since uh, the Lakers have been in LA. You know, I just want the the, the Rockets to kind of have that enjoyment. Uh, I feel. <laughs> Hey, Rockets fans, wow. you, 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 wow. you, you're suffering enough, and, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. But <laughs> on to a couple, <laughs> on to a couple of random nuggets that we did get to in a couple <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. That I think we both tweeted about and just didn't make its way into the show. Um, Food and wine on Twitter, because, you know, we love talking about food, and every now and then we talk about bourbon and wine. Food and wine listed, according to them, all of the the states and the most popular beverage per state. And for Kentucky, according to Food and Wine, it was Jaeger and Crown Royal, with bourbon nowhere to be seen. And I think we both felt the same way about that. There, there's no way that's accurate. Like, I don't know what mm. metric they're using, but even with the bourbon spill at the distillery in Bardstown this past weekend, yes. there's, still more, yes. there's still more bur- uh, uh, barren bourbon. Bur- <laughs> I'm going to get it right eventually. More <laughs> barrels of bourbon than people in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I think there's about half a million more barrels uh, than there are uh, Kentuckians. Uh, So by that metric, there you go. Uh, And I don't know many Kentuckians that uh, won't at least sip some bourbon. Uh, You know, that's just, I don't know what how they're ranking that or you know by sale. I need a little bit more data to believe that 
Yes. Bourbon is nowhere to be seen on this list. I, I, I remain unconvinced about that fact. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, girls' beer sports and bourbon and bad opinions, a couple of podcasts we're familiar with, get into that more than we do. But according to the food and wine poll, I think it was it was New Mexico and I forget, two states where Evan Williams was like the most popular in that state. But yet Kentucky, bourbon is not even second. You know, it, it's just, it made no sense. And like you said, you've got to wonder where they compiled this at because that's, there's no way that's ever going to be accurate. And it's cool that you mentioned the, uh, the bourbon spill too. I saw that, and the aerial shot of that, where they were fixing the warehouse, and the nine thousand barrels are all just toppled over. Um, and the uh, the Barton seventeen ninety two distillery in Barstown, the parent company is getting fined twenty five grand a day because the alcohol is going into Withrow Creek and Beach Fork River, and it killed a lot of the fish. So that was just tragic to see that happen. Um, but the aerial shot of seeing all those barrels like that is just it's just crazy. Yo, yeah, it's it, it, it's tough, uh, but that's part of it. I, I think there's going to be a push to reinforce uh, some of those uh, some of those barns where they do age the bourbon, so you don't have this kind of mm-hmm. thing happen again. Uh, for an industry like the bourbon industry here in Kentucky, it is it is historical. Uh, the way they make it is pretty much the way they've been making it uh, for years and years and years. And part of that is that aging process with the barrels, with the barns, where they uh, kind of modify, keep track of humidity and all that kind of stuff. But it's pretty much the same process that it has been for, for years and years. So they're using these same buildings. Uh, so I think we're going to see a push to, to reinforce and to, to change things a little bit. Uh, so you don't have this happen uh, again, obviously. Absolutely. I'm going to keep the bourbon theme rolling, too, but I did see a tweet from Barrett Salee, who uh, used to be a Bleacher Report, college football, particularly SEC writer, and he kind of quote tweeted the, the tweet from CNN, and he just went, mmm, bourbon fish, which is – is a shot, but you can see why he might take that shot. But it is a sad situation with that spill happening like that. Something that is just yeah. as preposterous. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I know I'm 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 right there with you. It's it, it's sad, and 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 hopefully you know it's not too big of an environmental uh, impact. But yeah, just, just exactly. throwing that out there. Exactly. Yeah, and now and. And this isn't meaning to be crass. It's, I'm I'm glad it's not oil, <laughs> you know, because we've seen all the damage that does. And that's why he tweeted out bourbon fish mm. <laughs> as a, a trendy menu item. <laughs> because I mean, you know, you know, people love bourbon and fish, and now you have the two combining, unfortunately. But uh, something as Preposterous as the food and wine poll having not having bourbon as the most popular beverage in Kentucky. 
is the thought that this New York, that this Brooklyn bourbon is just trying to take over and, and just thinking it can just puff his chest out and be the best bourbon out there. And I think we feel the same way about that as well. Uh, New York, you got to stop. You got to pump your brakes. You know, New York, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you, uh, you know, you in Chicago talk about your pizza and all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. I, I, I get you know, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, uh, you know, different places talk about, uh, you know, uh, their barbecue and do you like the mustard style of, uh, when you look at uh, North Carolina, do you like the sauce of right. uh, Memphis? Do you like the way, you know, mm-hmm. the, the dry rubs of, of Texas? I get that. Uh, but yeah. there's a few things that my home state does better than anything else. Bourbon is one. Horse racing mm-hmm. is one. And, and basketball uh-huh. is one. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not here for blasphemous. You know, don't you blast me up in here, to quote Aretha Franklin from uh, the Blues Brothers, which, you know, was released, you know, 38 years ago, you know, this week or last week, I believe. One of my favorite all-time movies, uh, anyway. Uh, But, no, you're not going to blast me up in here and talk about uh, how you're going to do bourbon in New York City. I felt like the old... uh, Oh, what is that? Uh, I can't remember the that uh, the salsa where they say New York City. What? No, you don't do bourbon, New York. Hey, you, you, taste the Conte sauce. Taste the Conte, New York City. No, no, that's not what. <laughs> no, just no. I mean, uh, that's. Um, I'm I'm not having it. You you can't you can't do that. I'm I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and for, for those scoring home. No, bourbon is Kentucky. It's what we do uh, here in Louisville. Uh, they've really done a good job of converting some of the older downtown buildings. Uh, call it Whiskey Row. Uh, Evan Williams, a lot of the other distilleries are setting up shop in downtown where they're brewing on site, distilling on site. Uh, there's tours. Uh, the Evan Williams tour is fantastic. I've done it. I've tasted bourbon. I might have gone through the tour twice. Anyway, <laughs> I, I think that it's, it, uh, you know, hey, let us have bourbon. You know, most of the news that comes out of Kentucky ain't great. Let us have this. Mm-hmm. You know, let us be able to do this. And it, just the way, and this is just, the, it's just so New York of him to just kind of, you know, bust up in and just walk in thinking they got it. You know, that brass, aggressive, you know, New York, thinking they just own the bourbon scene. And like you mentioned, Kentucky has horse racing as well. And look, Kentucky and New York are tied together when it comes to horse racing because Kentucky starts the Triple Crown with the Derby. New York is the last leg with the Belmont. Now, you can, that can be mutually shared. That's a common tie when, you know, horse racing can be a common bond between the two states. But, you know, Kentucky's not just coming up here, you know, talking about Kentucky cheesecake is, is the best ever. 
so they, like you said, they need to just slow down. We're trying to say New York bourbon is, you know, the world's gift to bourbon. Yeah, it's one of those things where you say, you know, what we're not going to do is to paint That's right. bourbon with a Kentucky. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's uh, like in The Princess Bride, you know, the three things you do, you know, you don't get to argue about Sicilian or however it goes, but uh, you do not debate bourbon with a Kentucky. So there you go. <laughs> and as far as, you know, your movie, your blues brothers, um, you know, Matt Guitar Murphy passed away a week and a half or two ago. And, of course, he had a pivotal role in that movie as well. It was married to Aretha Franklin in the movie that you just referenced, Blues Brothers. Yeah. It, you know, in my trip to Chicago, uh, one of my highlights was seeing the Richard Daly Plaza, you know, that they go driving through. That was that was one thing that I wanted to check off my list, and I was glad I was able yeah. uh, to do that. Uh, but just, you know, great movie, uh, great music. Um Obviously, I, I will listen to the, the Blues Brothers on uh, Pandora and Spotify, you know, as the young kids listen to it. Uh, but, yeah, I was, you know, heartbroken with Matt uh, Guitar Murphy's uh, uh, passing because he was such a big uh, – it played a big role in the movie. And you keep in mind, a lot of those guys, they were just musicians. They weren't necessarily actors by trade. Uh, but in, in my mind, obviously, I think the movie, it, it, it works. It still – Still holds up. Absolutely, he was 88 years old, uh, but still active. A 70-year career started in 1948, but he was still performing. You know, even up until he passed. You know, you see a lot of them. If you, you know, people in the past, you see the Wikipedia page, or and you know, years active with their career span starting this point, ending this point. But Maggotar Murphy was still. Still doing it. Yeah, you know, and um, definitely sad to hear about about his passing. Absolutely. So, uh, and a couple, and look, hate to just be sad, 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 but a couple other things, situations, instances, not connected, but both one just as sad as the other. We had Bob Kendrick on the show president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. And, you know, friend of the show, you went by Kansas City. I think you're interacting on Twitter. Got to get him back on again. But the Buck O'Neill Educational Center that was about to open to the public in Kansas City uh, was flooded, and it wasn't an accident. Uh, Water was turned on. And then I think the valves of the water was, was it was cut off where it was just it would overflow and flood the second floor and then work its way down to the first floor. Done quite a bit of damage just as they were about to open the, the building and use revenue from that building to kind of help offset some of the other costs that they were having to deal with with operating the museum and things of that nature. End of May, you had Satchel Page's house. It was empty, but it was still there in Kansas City, and the plan was to kind of maybe make a landmark out of that, historical landmark. It was burned, a lot of the home destroyed, two separate things. They don't see a connection to them, but it's just heartbreaking to see it happen. Reading Bob's quotes about how deflating it was to see the O'Neill Center being flooded, you just 
couldn't help but feel for him, and especially he talked about all the sweat equity that had gone into getting the facility almost ready to uh, to be open and, and have visitors and have people come in and, and, and enjoy and learn about it. And now it's a huge setback. Uh, they're not going to quit. He said they're going to, you know, be more determined now than ever to complete it. But it was senseless that this even took place. Yeah, I mean that's sad. You're losing history. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it's obvious that the Negro leagues uh, they're overlooked and it's criminal. And uh, you know we can debate whether or not you know having a separate museum uh, versus being in Cooperstown. You know whatever. But uh, to have a spot for the Negro League and to have it sustain damage that was not accidental is very disappointing. Uh, I know that, that, that Mr. Bob's going to regroup and, and, and get everything back on track. He is uh, nothing if not persistent and not a hard worker. So I, I know they'll mm-hmm. bounce back. It's just a, it's a setback. It is uh, yeah. a huge setback, yeah. but, they'll, but they'll, they'll be back. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely wanted to, to mention that, especially when you had a second occurrence like that take place. Um, we are not hockey guys, never have claimed to be, but I've had a lot of fun talking hockey with our guy Craig Bates, uh, who joins us at different points throughout the NHL season. Um the NHL just announced their Hall of Fame inductees, and I just got to take a second and talk about Willie O'Ree because he was the Jackie Robinson of hockey, and I never even took a minute to even wonder who broke the color line in hockey. I just, I mean, you know, you know, Nat Sweetwater Clifton in the NBA, uh, you go way back to you know, NFL back in the 20s when guys used to play before they weren't allowed to, and then it started back, you know, Mary Motley's and all those guys back in the 20s and 30s. And, of course, Jackie Robinson and then Larry Doby in the American League. But Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in the NHL. He is 82 years old. They're going into the Hall of Fame in November. He'll be 83 in October. Played for the Boston Bruins. Uh, and also played in the minor leagues a lot as well. Um, he was a winger for the Boston Bruins. Um, and what I was just reading about him, was it was crazy. He had lost an eye. He was blind, like 95% blind in his right eye, due to being hit by an errant puck in 1956, which – Shouldn't have allowed him to even play, but he kind of hid the fact that he was blind in one eye. Didn't let that be known because if that had been found out, there's no way, of course, he would be able to continue to play. He dealt with a lot of the same stuff that, you know, from opposing fans and crowds, yelling, everything that was there to be heard, he heard it. But all he wanted to do was play hockey. But (laughs) 5'10", 175. And now look, I don't care what area you're in, that ain't big. <laughs> I mean, today 
back then, it don't matter. We've had Craig Bateson talking about how big and strong and menacing Gordy Howe was and, and how tough he was and played till he was 50. Mr. O'Ree was 5'10", 175, and blind in one eye and still went out there and broke the cover line in the NHL. So congratulations to him for going into the NHL Hall of Fame when they had their ceremony in November. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and like you said, not being big hockey guys, I knew somebody had to be the first. I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't point out who that person was. Me neither. Um, but, uh, but definitely, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those honors. Probably a little bit overdue, but glad nonetheless that he's getting he's getting that recognition. Right, exactly. Because I just happened to see. You know, somebody retweeted the NHL's tweets and, like, Martin Brodeur, famous goalie, and, and several other names that I'm familiar with, and you saw Louis O'Ree as well. I think Gary Bettman might even be the the, 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 the former commissioner or something like that is going in. And then to see Mr. O'Ree go in with them as well, and then you click on it and, and see what all he did. And, like, I had no idea. I never even thought to be curious about who – integrated NHL. But, you know, you, you flip on games now and you see, you know, Subban for the Predators and, you know, back in our day probably, you know, you see Jerome McGinley was a name that we used to hear a lot for Calgary. Uh, and it, like I said, somebody had to be the first and it was Willie O'Ree. So congratulations for sure. Uh, he definitely deserves. Oh, Absolutely. I rambled and went in all these different directions. Um, we had news today, too. You know, we we had our guy, Edward Perez, on the show uh, talking World Cup, and, you know, he broke it down, got us all up to speed. You know, we were talking about who the favorites were and, and the contenders and all that. And lo and behold, if the defending champs don't get knocked out earlier today, uh, Germany – won it in 2014, and we talked about having Ed back in the knockout rounds or as the tournament progresses because the final isn't until July the 15th. So we still got a couple more weeks before we even know who's going to be the winner. The defending champs didn't even make it to the knockout round. They got took out by South Korea. They took South them Korea, out. Yeah. But anyway, they got bounced today. Uh, so there's going to be a new champ. Kind of, it reminded me you know, of Villanova. They won it, and then didn't they go out in the first round the, the following year? Of course, they you know, they bounced back and won it again, but they went out in the first or second round the year that they were the defending champs. Yeah, it, this has got to be a shocker. I mean, this has got to be mm-hmm. uh, like the like the Americans going you know, in, in the Olympic uh, basketballs in '88, not winning the gold. Uh, this has got to be, I mean, we, we talked, like I said, with Ed last week about America uh, not making the, the World Cup, but Germany, defending champion, I thought this is the first time they've been, uh, they've not made it to the knockout round. You know, they've given up four goals. I mean, there's a, look, I, I don't know if the people on the team involved with the this might be an everybody got to go situation. This might be <laughs> just a, a, a bad 
situation for everyone involved. And, and you know, and Ed mm-hmm. talked about, you know, constructing a team. And uh, this has got to be an epic failure for Germany. Uh, I, I know maybe they don't expect to win it every year, although I expect they probably do. But to, to, to go out this way, yeah, it's, it's a, a head-to-toe reevaluating of the entire process. And, and look, I don't, look, we don't, we don't follow soccer that closely. We follow, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, you, you know, you, there's that period, especially in NFL, you know, that Black Monday after the final regular season game where you're just waiting to see not, you know, if coaches are going get, to get fired, but when and how many are going to get fired. Um, Ed talked about last week that Spain fired their coach two days before the tournament started. I mean, so I don't know if that's normal or if more knee-jerk impulsive things like that take place all the time. But like you just mentioned, a team of Germany's caliber, and no doubt they have loftier expectations than getting knocked out when they just did. Now you give them time to sit and chew and stew on getting bounced early? Like, a lot of heads might roll. You're exactly right. I mean, if Spain can fire a guy before the tournament, now you got Germany not making the knockout round? Yeah, they might just clean the house. They might go spring cleaning from top to bottom. Well, yeah, I mean, you you, you look at what happened uh, in 88 with the American – I know we lost the 72 Olympics in that shady fashion, but uh, losing mm. the Olympics in 88, I mean, you see what the reaction was. That's how we end up with the dream team. I mean, honestly. So uh, yeah. when, when, you, when you wound a country's pride like that, you're going to see some changes. Uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, that's what's going to happen. Uh, so I would expect to see – some people either step down or some people, you know, there's going to be some changes. There's a change coming, as Sam Cook used to say. There's going to be a change coming uh, with Germany. Uh, I think when they lost, how they lost, and who they lost to all factors into the, yeah. the Germans not being happy campers. Um, Man, but, you know, since, it, since it was in Russia, this is just your reminder that Germany just, you know, historically doesn't fare well in Russia. So <laughs> a little, little, little World War II humor for you guys out there because we're competent with the kids. <laughs> so it's right. referencing World War II. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we got like 89 minutes left, so yeah. Anything that y'all have missed or anything that goes past 8 o'clock, you can catch it at blogtalkradio.com slash cattalk or download the CastBox, Stitcher, Player FM, or iTunes apps. Search for Cats Talk Wednesday. You can catch every show we've ever done there. Uh, listen anytime on demand. Uh, it's also on TuneIn, TuneIn app, same thing. And it will be replayed tomorrow from 8 to 10 on 12 Ounce Sports. Uh, go to the website, 12OunceSportsRadio.com. Follow me on Twitter at 12 Ounce Sports. Um, I just want to make sure you guys 
no other ways that you can access the show if you're not able to catch us from 6 to 8 as we're on at present. Um, College World Series is coming to an end. We talked about all of that as well. And the surprise wouldn't be an SEC team getting to the College World Series. To me, the surprise would be if it wasn't two teams in the SEC getting to the final. Um, We had that last year with Florida and LSU. Didn't quite happen this year. We had Arkansas getting there. Of course, they beat Florida to get there. And then Oregon State came out of the other side, and they knocked off Mississippi State uh, to get to the final. So we almost had Arkansas and Mississippi State. But Gary Henderson, his run kind of came to an end. Arkansas won game one last night, 4-1, to and they should be underway now for game two. If Arkansas wins tonight, uh, another championship will be coming to the SEC. Uh, if they have to go to game three and Arkansas wins tomorrow, then another title will be coming to the SEC. So hopefully Arkansas can get it done uh, for the conference and, you know, keep it in the South, so to speak. Gary Henderson, I don't know, kind of surprised that he wasn't retained at Mississippi State. We heard all the rumors. You you even mentioned the Dan McDonald rumor from Louisville possibly being the next coach down there. Of course, everybody was holding their breath in Kentucky with Nick Minjone, with him having ties to being down there. But it was actually – the other part of the triangle, not the Kentucky and the Louisville part, but the Bloomington, Indiana part, the Kentuckiana portion, Indiana's baseball coach is the one who ends up going down to Mississippi State to take over down there. So um, it, it happened quickly. You know, the, the season ended, and then next thing you know, they're announcing Indiana's coach had went down there and took the job. So I don't know, you know, maybe you know, John Cohen wanted to go a different direction, from the get-go, despite the run they were on, maybe Gary Henderson didn't want it. I don't know, but it all boils down now. Indiana's coach is going to be at Mississippi State now. Yeah, that was that was strange because you you think getting to uh, you know getting to the College World Series and really being competitive in kind of a weird year, you, you think that would have been enough to earn the full-time gig, but. Obviously, it wasn't. I don't know enough Mississippi State uh, athletic stuff to, to to say, you know, it's good or bad or whatever. I, I wouldn't even begin to uh, try to get into all that. But um, just just strange uh, that, you know, the interim tag wouldn't come off. Uh, so, but, you know, that's, that is sports. So uh, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna speak to it, but it sounds as if just with the speed that they moved once the season was over, the athletic program, the athletic director, kind of knew what, what what was gonna happen. Regardless, that was one of those things where they knew. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, it yeah. would have been really awkward had had Mississippi State, you know, made it to the championship series or you know, let alone won it that would have been even more awkward. So, 
<laughs> to see somebody switch like that, you the the fan base that gets left is gonna be like, I mean, go feel betrayed. Like you said, it's human nature. Uh, LSU fans still feel the same way about Saban, and that's you know it's not like Alabama Auburn, but LSU, you know, they don't have any love for Alabama. So uh, to see him leave, go to the NFL, uh, and come back to coach Alabama, they feel the same way. Not to the level maybe as us, and not to the level Alabama fans would feel if Saban were to leave and coach at Auburn. But they they feel it to a degree because they really don't have, you know, none of the Louisiana schools in state are on LSU's level for them to have, you know, really have a huge hatred rivalry for. So Alabama is just kind of it by default. So they, they still feel it when they see the Crimson Tide roll into Baton Rouge every year or when, you know, LSU goes to Tuscaloosa to play them. They they still feel that. Even though you won a title there and now he's, he's won four or however many it is in Alabama, you, you, know, you just can't help but kind of, you know, feel a little scarred, a little scuffed up, <laughs> and a little bit out of shape about it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I, that, I just had to put that out there. We talk about coaches, coaches on the move. Yeah, and I think I'll save it for next week. Be one of these little nuggets we backtrack on, um, especially with the way it's still kind of playing out and and kind of making a big deal about it. Uh, hit on that Jimbo Fisher, Kevin Sumlin stuff next week because he Jimbo just kind of doing a little extra stuff down at Texas A and M right now. So we'll save that for next week and see what all other fun stuff we get into. Between now and then, we thoroughly enjoyed getting all the details from the train ride, TV front and center on the RJ Crone Express from Frankfurt to Midway, up close and personal with the players, kicking it with Coach Payne, Coach Cal, Coach Justice, Coach Barbie, Robic, the entire staff, the family union atmosphere at Midway. Uh, I couldn't wait. You was texting me for the past two or three days about everything you were going to talk about. And so I was looking forward to hearing it, and hopefully all the listeners enjoyed it as well. Uh, and, of course, you wrote a cool article about it, and you put a ton of pictures, about 19 or 20 pictures up on the Facebook page, Cats Talk Wednesday, to see all of the, the photos that TB got while covering the event. Yeah, I had a, had a real good time. Uh, like I said, hope to get back on track, no pun intended, on the train, and, and do it again come April. I think a lot of people would love to love to see that. Absolutely. I well, hope you have a good rest of the evening, and look forward to doing it all again next Wednesday. We're rolling on through the summer, but uh, we're having a blast. If you missed us tonight, check us out on 12 on Sports tomorrow from 8 to 10. The show will be replayed then. You get everything we talked about on this evening's show. Thank everybody for listening. And also, yes, and next week we'll be doing a best of. We won't do a show next week, have a little week off, but we'll see y'all in two weeks where we'll play a show from the archives next Wednesday and hope y'all enjoy that and maybe you'll remember listening to it. Or if you hadn't heard it, it'll be one that's like, oh, cool, cool to hear this show. So appreciate the TV, and we'll see everybody next week. On Cats Talk Wednesday, Brandon Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll see y'all now.